back to yet another episode of the Type Beam. Alright, I won't use Hit List, but who's next? Avasarala? There we go. Um, so Avasarala had quite a turn of fortunes. Like, I felt like I was getting whiplash with Avasarala's uh, storyline. She was relegated to a dead-end desk job that almost felt like a slap in the face given it was like about sending people through the rings and that's the one thing she didn't want to do um and you know gal is the secretary general and uh, she's the she's, irony sorry what the irony the absolute irony like gal is just i won't say that gal is a terrible person because i've seen people like hate on gal but like damn that's cold um she's just trolling just trolling um and, you know, she's been secretly under the table investigating Marco Inaros after all the tragedies of season four. She's still convinced that he is up to something and she makes a plucky new friend in uh, Admiral Delgado. And together they, you know, spend the whole season both trying to discover Marco's plan, stop it and then respond to it uh, in the aftermath of the destruction on Earth. And as we all know, the queen is back, baby. So let's talk about Avasarala. I loved how human she was in this season. Mm -hmm. And how now, with the loss of her husband, she is able to put herself in the shoes of the Belters being attacked. Of the Mm -hmm. Martians being attacked. It's not just about the Earthers anymore. And we see it clearly when they want to go after um what's that station called um palace yeah palace station where mm-hmm. she she pleads with them not to go after where there are civilians the civilians mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with what marco is doing and it would just cause more problems and a lot of people go against her on that and um she suffers a lot in the season yeah. and throughout it i think that she's reminded of what arjun told her that she should not sacrifice who she is for politics and and that's exactly what she does when she tries to resign um and i think it's beautiful i think ava sarala is one of my favorite characters from from the book series mm. I don't know who's first. This is a real struggle. I I really really like her her storyline. So careful what you say. Amos might be listening. <laughs> Wes, he was stuck lying. <laughs> we could join a polyam anyway. <laughs> yeah, just uh, so it, her story is very different from the books in this this season. She goes from being a back room, no window gatekeeper for the ring to being back in charge of all humanity, basically for, for earth. And I, I think this path that she took in the television series works a lot better for, um, the story around how like it gives more context and more mm-hmm. like makes it more real for her. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the struggles that she goes through come through and, and make her story stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a line from Naomi in the finale where she says, um, she's come a long way. 
And I think of that line a lot because Avasarala's very first scenes, right, among her very first scenes, she's torturing a belter for information because Earth could yeah. be in trouble right. with what he's up to, right? And now we come, and, and then she treated Naomi really flippantly in season three um, for, you know, the protomolecule sample and all that um, because she's protecting belters. And now we have season five. And, you know, Avasarala has had the ultimate loss, right? Her, her husband, her partner in life, like the person she loves above, above all else, uh, who she was fighting with all season. And so, like, that adds another layer of, like, grief and loss. Like, they never, you know, they never got a chance to reconcile mm-hmm. is gone because of the actions of a radical belter. At the same time, she's here when they decide to punish all belters for the actions of a radical belter faction. She insists that they should not punish all. They shouldn't punish innocent belters, regardless of like if they can tell who's innocent or not. Firing on a civilian station is the wrong thing to do. She goes from torturing belters to wanting to protect them. Yeah. Even though she lost her husband to to the attack of. yeah. Yeah. She's she has decided like she's or not decided, but realized that you can't wholesale attack people because of the actions of a few. Yeah. Like she has learned a lot since season one. And, you know, it, it, you can tell it's not even just a political choice for her. It's deeply personal. You know, she, she doesn't want someone else to feel the pain that she feels that losing someone who had not a single hand in the fight and then becoming radicalized because of that. She doesn't want to see that happen. And so she fights for these innocent belters, even though they go ahead and do it anyway. Um, And then they, you know, she resigns when they say, oh, we're going to attack more belter stations. You know, she, she stands her ground like, no, we can't be doing this. We can't be you know, what they're accusing us of being. We can't play into that. Yeah. And and we can't, you know, kill innocent people. And it's amazing that she's come that far. And despite her grief and her anger, that she still knows the right thing to do is not seek vengeance. Um, not to send a message, but to try and work with be- the belters who are against Marco. And I mean, we see that clearly that is a good strategy. That was a good strategy for Holden. Um, And so I'm interested to see where that goes in season six. But it was just so hard to see her struggle, you know, to struggle against her job, to try and reconcile with her husband, then to see Earth be destroyed, to be thrust back into the cabinet, to lose her husband to fight with these people who, who want to send a message and just f- play right into the hands of, of Marco and Aros. It's just so hard to watch, but then it just makes her success all the more, you know, tangible until of course the end of the party when yikes, uh, Marco wins that decisive victory by the ring. And all they can do is watch because it's a three hour communication delay. Like all they can do is react to something that's already happened. And it's so devastating. And then, you know, her hearing from Holden that there's a good chance they have the proto molecule. 
um, that the, that Mars has the proto molecule now because of this fight and the the firepower that was needed to have it. Oh boy, um, she has a lot coming for her in season six, but the way she handles season five, I think she's got it. There is um, so I I like to I know it's a very old book and old idea uh, ideologies and stuff like that, but at school we're reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And, I love to kill a mockingbird. Um, it raises awareness to injustices and, and race and stuff like that. And there's one particular quote, and I pulled it up. It says, um, cry about the simple hell people give other people without even thinking. Cry about the hell white people give colored folks without even stopping to think that they're people too. And I think that if we just put earthers with white people and belters with black people you do see that correlation that we we are so and it was interesting because when fred had the interview with um ty and frank and fred asked them what faction they were they i think it was daniel who said that there is no faction he's rossi he's team mm-hmm. rossi because he doesn't see earth martian belter he sees yeah. people and that's, that's what very i always important. say um, and, and, I, <laughs> and I think that that's where Avasarala is seeing it. It's not mm-hmm. Belters against Earthers. Uh, it's not Earthers against Martians. We need to look past that. It's yeah. not to say to like not see who they are and where they come from, but not be so ho- hostile. Um, so, so it's just very interesting. Um, and just going off on, on To Kill Mockingbird during the trial and stuff like that, um, the main character says that, yes, like, black people will cheat. Black people will do this. Black people will do that. But they're not the only ones. White people do just as bad. And, and you should not paint everybody with that same brush. Um, and, and I think that that's very important that belters are not the only ones that are going to throw meteors or, or whatever, or rocks down to a planet. Uh, earthers have just the same amount of capacity to do that. Um, belters are not the only ones that are going to blow up a station. Earthers or Martians also have the potential to do that. So it's not just a belter problem. It's a humanitarian problem. They have done it. And that's the yeah, thing. they have the done butcher it, yeah. of Anderson-sation. Yeah. Like, Deimos. Yeah. So if we take another, just, again, take a step back, we look at Avicerella's life. Like, I don't think she's ever met real belters and real mm-hmm. Martians outside of the political caste. So yeah. her idea of belters is Fred Johnson and a, a couple of the other higher echelon um, clan members. Uh, from Mars, it's nothing but the the political elite. Like they're, they're, it's not true Martians. It's not true Belters. Mm-hmm. And then she meets Naomi. She meets um, Bobby. She meets Alex, and she has to now stop and go. I don't want to hurt these people. Mm-hmm. So she has come a long way from from what you were saying. Like she has accepted that. Right. Like what I am doing is not wrong. Yeah. Sorry, not wrong. Not right. It is wrong. <laughs> I got what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so seeing that 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 building really helped. Um, and then last season, she went uh, awry. Like her that fight for the election really sent her off course. Mm-hmm. And I think 
the the reset of being put into such a the menial role, being taken out of the limelight, made her reflect. the The fight with Arjun made her reflect internally, and she's come out so much stronger. Yeah. And humanity across the galaxy will be much better for it. My my last thought on this is, you know, Andrew reminded me. So back in, in season two, all of the promotional material was like, pick a faction, right? Mm-hmm. And I always said Rossi because, you know, everybody, the fans, the characters, they all make fun of Holden for being of the belief that we should all be working together. There shouldn't be any teams, as he says in season two, you know, and by the end, by season five. The characters are realizing, oh, my God, this idiot might have a point. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the reason why Marco paints him as this, he, he keeps calling him like a, they change it, right? It's a symbol of Earther supremacy. He's a symbol of compromise. He's a symbol of surrender, you know, because they're all working together in a common cause and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's another thing that you could say he's a symbol of. Unity. And Marco uses that phrase once to talk to Philip, but every other time they're doing it, it's like they're convincing themselves that unity is a bad thing, right? Because they know they, and I, I'm not saying that Marco is wrong to say this. He has a point and we'll, we'll talk about this when we come to Marco. Like Marco absolutely has a point, but the only way we can make sure we all do well is if we all work together together. Right. And so Holden has always been humanity first, not Earth first, not belt first, not Mars first. He fights for the belt mostly because no one else is fighting for them, except for like Fred and, and the upper echelon of the factions. Nobody is fighting for them. And so he chooses to fight for them. He doesn't want to be the boot anymore. He wants to be the one helping them. And so, you know, he's. As he works through all this, more people start to kind of come around and see, like, maybe he's not wrong. Avisaral is one of those people who was making fun of him for this, like, rosy picture of, of what humanity could be. And now here we are. She's using him as an example, whether because she believes it now, which I think she does, but also as, like, a bit of a, like, nudge, nudge, hint, hint manipulation. Like, you know, unity is the only way that we can deal with the ring gates. We have to deal with them together. And then all of a sudden we have Marco and now unity is the only way we can deal with Marco. And it's almost like, you know, all these years later, everyone's starting to realize that Holden might've had a point and like, sure. It's optimistic. Sure. It's romantic. Sure. It's, you know, idealistic, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. And I think they're starting to realize that there are some things that you need to come together to, to fight. And Avasarella like knows that now because she's seen it firsthand. And since he's made a personal target of the Rasinante, that's the thing that will defeat him is them working together. And she sees that now. Yeah. So it was, it's just a really great to kind of see that arc come full circle. Speaking of Avasarala. Let's talk about Bobby. 
<laughs> now, Bobby, unfortunately, fell victim to the fact that she was a part of the Alex storyline, you know, as in like Alex was in a ship all the time doing nothing. So Bobby was in a ship all the time doing nothing. Um, she was on Mars investigating the missing weapons and technology, trying to see how far up the corruption goes with Avasarala's funding and help. Um, and then, of course... Alex shows up and falls into the whole investigation and their investigation ends up taking them out into the depths of space and right into Marco's crosshairs as well. So let's talk a little bit about Bobby. So yeah, her, her role or her, yeah, her role this season was very difficult to portray on screen. So she was investigating the the missing items that are going on in mars she is investigating the the ships that are going missing and ultimately they they finally learn that hey there's a lot of ships that are being sold off or going missing right and they're they're heading to the free navy so and it it is the rot is deep into the the military Mm -hmm. echelon in mars as and, as wait, who says it? Uh, is it Hamlet? There's something something rotten in the state of Denmark. <laughs> yes, <laughs> something is very rotten in rotten the state, in the of, state of space. Yeah. And she gets a pretty good idea of how far it's gone, but she did not look high enough. Like there, there, it was even bigger than than she could imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, but she has been working with Avicerella, and we we see that that tone build throughout the entire season. Then we see it in the very final episode that she has accepted a role uh, with Avicerelle, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Bobby's character get even more developed. I think she's going to be used very heavily in season six. And I'm very curious to see how that goes. Yep. I was disappointed that Bobby kind of, got like relegated to the background i mean she got to do she had some really great scenes again she had one of my favorite scenes of the the show entirely when she saves naomi um and you know she has that that really great scene holding on holding the bridge to the the screen fire hawk and that was awesome like she got to do some really great things uh but bobby is such a physical character that it was a shame to see her like relegated to the backseat of a ship for so much of the season. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, again, I'm hoping that she'll get a chance to stretch her legs in season six. But, you know, seeing how capable she is uh, with the, this investigation as well, you know, just seeing how high up she can she can go with finding weapons and things like that, managing to get a new Goliath suit. Um, like it's just it's it's awesome, you know what she and Avasarala can do together. But it's awesome what Bobby can do, like not just punch things and shoot things and and save people. She's also like an incredible investigative mind. Like she's trying to put all these pieces together and figure out what's going on on Mars after she's seen what happened. And she also makes sure that you know that um I forget his name, but the guy she was working with. She makes sure his family gets off Mars just like he wanted. And she's, you know, taking calls from his family. Um, I I, I honestly think that she should have been more of a hardcore 
denialer than Alex himself because she was so true to the character and to so true to the Martian way. And that's very, very important. Yeah. Um, sorry. C- continue. We're just making fun of Thomas Jane. Continue. Continue. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. I- I'm glad that you were with me on that, Fred. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I was on the fence with Bobby's storyline last year. Like, I think it had really great highs and some really weird lows. Like, her digging into the criminal underworld by being a criminal herself was like... But then, you know, with season five, like, realizing that maybe she was doing it not just because she was enjoying it a little bit, but because she wanted to get to the bottom of, like, what was going on as well. Like, when you add that context in, it's like, damn, Bobby. Yeah. Damn, so, girl, you're so smart. Last season, I was a big critic of Bobby's storyline. I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to shy away from that. Uh, but, yes, you're absolutely right. That experience gave her the clout to be able to do this investigation because it has everything to do with the criminal underworld. So I understand what they did last season to help her with this season. And I I appreciate that that story has come full circle and I do appreciate that now. It was just hard for me to watch last season. Yeah. And and I'm glad that she's out of the criminal aspect of it and she's back into the light because I thought Bobby's character was always a true um marine and she was not capable of or not capable of being evil but she it was not true to her character yeah she wasn't capable like she wasn't the kind of person who was dirty like she did things because it was the right thing to do and because it was like what a martian should do um martian like, or, or to help strong. mars yeah. yeah so here she was like helping steal things like when you put it in the context of maybe she just wanted to figure out what was going on um it makes it a lot more interesting because she was vaguely investigating it before she even joined up with them because she saw like you know she was scanning people trying to figure out who they were she saw they had belter tattoos like she she was you know she was as curious as she was like i think hankering for something to do Right. And so I, I really appreciate like, I mean, I could I could have picked it up last season if I like thought about it more. But the fact that you put it in context with season five and it just makes everything kind of click. Yeah, you bet. So let's talk about Clarissa. Uh, Clarissa started the season in jail and ended it free as a bird on the Rocinante uh, with someone who is incredibly afraid of her. So uh, I'd say she definitely had a glow up. Um <laughs> Yeah, so she was in prison for terrorism, murder, framing Holden, whatever else they could charge her with. I don't know. Um, And uh, Amos goes to visit her. uh, uh, Meteor hits. And they uh, end up, you know, she ends up being let go in a sense, basically, because there's no society. And she becomes uh, Amos's moral compass uh, until he can get back to the Rocinante. Um, And she does a tremendous job job so let's talk about clarissa so i think her storyline is really interesting obviously she Mm. was um heart bent set out to kill holden um which lands her in jail she ends up kills killing a bunch of people to get there and poisoning Mm -hmm. herself through these mobs that she gets um 
But she came from high society life. She didn't actually know what was going on. And then she later learns uh, the, the, the truth about everything. And mm-hmm. she is very repentant. Um, she obviously wants to serve her time uh, because she did things that were wrong. But due to interesting circumstances, she's able to become free again. Mm-hmm. I really like her redemption arc. I I, I do like her storyline quite a bit. Um, I think one of the best parts of uh, season five was that moment where Amos pulls Holden aside and says, you remember, Cap, when you, you wanted to kill me? <laughs> but you don't anymore? Triggered his guilt center. <laughs> <laughs> and then brings Peaches on board. So... I, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go. I I don't want to say she's a throwaway character. Like she is mm-hmm. more than that, but she she is definitely not um, going to be. Well, at least my view, she's not going to be one of the mainstay uh, main characters. Mm-hmm. I I really liked Clarissa. You know, she really like. You know, we obviously when we see rich people, we think like, wow, they had an easy time. And like for a lot of things, her life was easier, but for a lot of things, her life was harder. Mm -hmm. And she really had a rough go of it. She, you know, probably wasn't really raised to see people as people. And so it was easy for her to do the things they did or that she did. And she doesn't, you know she feels bad for it and she is afraid of judgment for it. And so she doesn't see herself as the monster she thought she was. And she does want to repent for those things. And so we see the basis of that this whole season where she's trying to help people, trying to keep people from killing other people, trying to get as many people off of earth as possible, like servants that people don't think about, you know, trying to save them because no one else will. And, she's really trying hard to be the better person that she should, she feels she should have been and the person she feels she can be if given the chance. And I really appreciated seeing it. And I really liked, you know, I also liked, uh, Amos sneaking around the Rossi to Holden's absolute shock. Um, but I also just really appreciated seeing her like, you know, fighting for other people instead of fighting for herself because everything she did in season three, she did out of selfishness mm-hmm. and a skewed perspective of the world. And she's realized the world is not the way she saw it. And she wants to be a better person for it. She wants to get the redemption uh, that she, not that she feels she deserves, but that she would like to have one day. And it was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I I think I've said a lot of what I wanted to say about Peaches when I spoke mm-hmm. about Amos. I mm-hmm. I love the way that they interact together, and I'm really looking forward to see how their friendship um, blossoms. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a romantic thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a, I depend on you, you depend on me to ground yeah. each other. Yeah. So how about we talk about the meteor in the room? We're going to talk about Philip and Marco. Oh, dear. Um, these are, we, we met them, we met Marco last season, we met Philip briefly last season. These are characters that have been teased since all the way back in season one. Um, they're very significant to Naomi's life. Um, they set her on the path that she is on now. 
and the path that she will be on in the future. Um, obviously, Marco is the one of, I'll say one of the orchestrators of the chaos that is season five, because uh, they make it very clear that he was enabled by someone else we have not met yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philip is his son, uh, who perhaps doesn't necessarily feel love and affection from his father, but seeks his approval and seeks his pride. Um, and that is <laughs> what sets them on their own paths. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Philip and Marco. Wow. Where do we even start? Okay. Let's start <laughs> where do you Marco. start? Yeah. Um, okay. First off, Marco, his character and the way that it was acted this season was phenomenal. We oh all my God, yeah. want to hate this guy and punch him in the teeth. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that alone just proves how well this was written and how well this was performed. Like, amen to that. Hats off to that. Yeah. He's um, really funny on Twitter. He's like, so funny. <laughs> it's great. Oh, you're gonna say Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't even know like where where to start with this. Like it is such a packed character. Like, do we start with the Marco and Philip? Do we start with the Marco and Naomi? Like Set us so, on a course, Shannon. Set us on a course. All right. So let's, let, let's talk about Marco. Left. So Marco has been teased to us for a long time. The first details we got about him was in a scene I mentioned earlier when Naomi tells Holden that part of her quote unquote betrayal, because obviously Holden doesn't necessarily see it. doesn't want to say it's a betrayal. Naomi puts it as a betrayal. Um, was the fact that Holden was reminding her of Marco who had a son with her and used that son to manipulate her after she refused to continue to help him kill people, which she was also manipulated into doing. Yeah. Basically, Marco is a master manipulator. He does not see people as people necessarily. He sees them as pawns um, for his grand schemes. Uh, he once was like Holden. He was idealistic. He was romantic. Um, he was a fighter. I'm trying to remember all the things she calls him. He always believed what he was doing was right. But the difference with Marco is Marco is a killer and Holden is not. Holden doesn't believe that lives should be taken for goals. If you should avoid killing people at all costs, Marco's whole thing begins and ends with violence. But it's different for Marco because... Marco is from an oppressed group. And at some, we've talked about, you know, at what point is an oppressed group pushed to violence? Mm-hmm. Um, but Marco, you know, lives in a world where, like, millions of people can be killed with a single attack. And that's what he does. He kills millions of innocent Earthers um, because of the actions of those in leadership, because of the actions of those in military, um, because of hundreds of years of oppression. Uh, he kills he kills millions of Earthers. And, you know, Keanu Alexander is an incredible actor. You really do see those those beginnings of those little hints that Naomi gave about him to Holden, where, you know, if Holden were any more selfish or any more of a killer, this could have been Holden um, and vice versa. 
because while they're both leaders and they're both people who want to help the belt, Marco believes that helping people in the belt goes hand in hand with, you know, killing the oppressor. And boy, oh boy, did he kill a lot of them. Uh, but there's also the idea of like, you shouldn't necessarily tie together a leadership with its people, which I think Fred mentioned earlier. Um, you know, how what happened, or it might have been Andrea, actually, I'm sorry. I did as well. Okay, where like, you know, you, you punish a whole group of people for the yeah. actions of a few. Yeah. Uh, and so here we have this man who, uh, you know, is either loved or loathed because he killed millions of earthers and he wants to start a war. Um, and he wants to, you know, just kind of destroy the inner supremacy <laughs> and destroy the Rasinante as a bit of an act of personal vengeance because he still holds anger towards Naomi. So find something in there to talk about. <laughs> Marco. He's Marco. got a point. The man has a point, and I, I agree that at some point, you know, something's got to break, but on a personal level, he's a master manipulator. He's abusive. He's gaslighty. Um, he doesn't treat people like people, and he just wants to cause as much pain to Naomi as he can because Naomi turned her back on him. So props to Ty and Daniel for this because you don't have a soapbox to stand on and preach from without issues. Yep. And Ty and Daniel have set this stage so very well, the oppression of the belt for so long, it started back even with the Canterbury. Remember the cat? Mm -hmm. That's where this rebellion really is fueled from. Mm -hmm. um, so the belt has been oppressed for so long from minor decisions that have massive impact against the, the belt. So, like, you know, one less water shipment per per cycle or whichever makes huge impact to oxygen, yeah. to water, to you, you name it, right? So Marco doesn't need, like, there's the fuel is, is set. The, the forest is tinder dry. One tiny spark that he ignites and he has a wave of supporters. And he's able to capitalize on that so so very, very well. Mm -hmm. He's a scary man. He's like a Hitler of space. Yeah. So Avicerella chastises, uh, I'm forgetting his name, who attacks Pallas. It Delgado or Pastor? Pastor. Okay. So Philip throws, what was it, nine rocks at Earth, three hit, and he has everyone in the belt supporting him. So it's, like, very different uh, on how their societies are taking these, really, their acts of terror from both points of view. Mm -hmm. But because the belt has been oppressed for so long, it's very easy for them to stand up behind him and fight for their voice. It, it, their voice right now is, is loud. Mm -hmm. and, and that means more in the moment. Like, nobody in the belt obviously wants to kill innocents. So that's not the way they're looking at it. They're, the rocks hitting Earth is a symbol of their frustration. Mm -hmm. And that's how he can get their support so easily. Well, the other thing is, is that 
there are plenty of belters who don't support it or who fear the retribution that innocent belters will get. And these people are drowned out in yep. like, well, we would have gotten it anyway. So, you know, th- what's to say, you know, and and that's the fact that. I was going to just quickly say that's the hangover they're going to experience after Marco is done and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment is, yes, like the riot was fun. Mm hmm. And uh, we've all experienced sports riots, right? Like, oh, during the... If you're in it as a rioter, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. But the next day when the alcohol is worn off and or the drugs have passed through... The adrenaline. The adrenaline is gone. The emotion is no longer there. It is regret. Yeah. And the other issue is, you know, you have Avasarala points this out. But Marco is saying that he speaks for the entire belt. Well, what happens if there are belters who also have some semblance of power who say, you don't speak for me. Yeah. You know, you have drummer kind of ends up turning on him. Michio worries about this. You know, you have Holden, who is, again, compared to him. But Holden doesn't lead an entire faction, doesn't claim to speak for anyone. Never claimed to speak for anyone. He even says in season four, I can't speak for Earth. You know, he chooses to fight the small battles because you can't speak for people. Mm -hmm. But Marco, in doing this, claims that he did it for the belt, that he speaks for the belt. What happens when you don't speak for for everyone in the belt? You know, what happens if your plan doesn't work and Earth doesn't retaliate or Earth doesn't, you know, play into your hands? Right. What happened if they hadn't attacked Palace? Then what what happens to Marco's message? You know, it's kind of like a it's it's a huge risk, both to him and to the the movement, to the message, to the belters. And, you know, we haven't fully seen if that's going to work out yet. And we probably will see in season six. But then, of course, with war comes troubles. What happens when the famine hits? You know, because he talked about how there will be a few skim years of no food. Until, you know, belters can grow their own food. What happens then? Will they still love Marco then? Yeah. Will they still agree with Marco then? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 Marco, this is what happens when you claim to speak for a whole group of people. You then become fallible for when the people turn on you. So it'll be very interesting to see how that goes on, like, a personal level and on a, like well and i mean level. in the end he could just call them ungrateful and like yeah he'll eventually be like well you guys deserve to die because you guys were so ungrateful yeah yeah because it's not about like on some level you see that it's not necessarily about the belt either for him it's about what he gets you know Bummer, yeah. it, it happens and he immediately claims he's the leader you know it's a <laughs> like he just immediately says like i'm the leader i'm responsible well, then you're setting yourself up for the fall, too, when yeah. something happens on your watch. What happens when you stop winning? What happens when people start stop dying? I mean, or start dying. There's a scene even in the finale where, like, after, you know, a big battle, he says, you know, we have to make sacrifices, you know. Um, we have to make sacrifices uh, to, to win victories. And then he goes, but we will mourn our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. after he doesn't necessarily care about belters individually. He cares about what the belters do for his plan, his goals. Yeah. It's a selfish way of seeing things. Like maybe at first he did start out with those right intentions, but the more you watch him, the more you start to realize 
those intentions are shiny wrapping paper on just his personal ambition. And very few people are going to see that. Um, And that's why he gets so angry when people like speak up against him or things don't go his way. Because that's what matters is him and his way. So he's saying what he needs to say to rally people to his cause. Yeah. Not to their cause. Yep. And he always finds a way to twist what other people say as well. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just a great. Oh, I thought Fred was going to say something. He took a breath like he was going to start talking. I was choking. I was recovered from my, from my cold. Oh. Well, I was going to, if no one has anything else to say on Mark, I was going to say that brings us an excellent segue into Philip, who is kind of in a strange place with this because he was raised by this man. He was, you know, I, I don't want to use the word groomed because that has a different connotation to it, but he was influenced by this man. He was brought up in this culture that Marco is to be feared. Marco is to be loved. Marco is the end all be all. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the one person I have to please and how hard it becomes when he can't please him or when he does things of his own free will that mess with Marco's plan. And Philip sees all of like i just talked about what happens on a system-wide level but what happens on a personal level when naomi starts throwing wrenches into it yeah and philip maybe starts to see the holes or naomi tells him after he hears something horrible like you know people people die even people you love and then you know naomi says to him like you know he'll let you die for him but he won't die for you and then that starts the gears turning what if she's right we, we're going to see that, or we start to see that large argument of what could happen when things go wrong system-wide to what happens when someone's influence starts to slip on their own son. I can see it right now. Like, he's going through math, and he's writing his math 12 exam, and he gets 95%, and Marco's like, wasn't 100. Yeah, oh, that was my parents. <laughs> hey, girl, high five! <laughs> You know, I I find it very interesting, like, the relationship between Philip and Marco and Philip and Naomi is kind of like a nurture versus nature kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, motherly love, you see him, you see Philip being pulled to that nurturing side, but then you have Marco, who's very reactionary, he's that nature force that pulls them back. Um, and I and I find that contrast super interesting because throughout the whole entire season you see Philip struggle, um, and in the end, like he, it's similar to what we discussed about Naomi telling Holden about who Marco was and Holden saying, "Well, I'm not going to do this to you." It, it's mm-hmm. similar to what Philip is going through. It's like Naomi can tell him as many times as he wants, "I won't leave you," mm-hmm. but. It has already happened once, so who is he going to fall back to? His father. Um, So it's a very difficult decision for him, and it's quite interesting that he was written a little bit differently in the show than he is in Mm -hmm. the books. He makes a lot of decisions that are like, whoa, all right, boy, calm yourself. (laughs) Um, So it's pretty interesting. His whole life is defined by the fact that his mother left. Yeah. Um, 
Everything stems from the fact that his mother left. Now, we know from Naomi's story, and she has very little reason to lie, that Philip was taken away from her as a manipulation and a punishment when she would not continue to assist Marco. And what she ends up finding out is uh, a scheme to kill inners. Mm -hmm. She thought it was a scheme to rob them. Not true. It was a scheme to kill them. And so Philip is taken away from her. Yeah, it's a scheme to be a terrorist. Um, So he's taken away from her. And then after that, when she ends up realizing because he hides her or hides Philip so well, she stops looking for him because she realized she'll never find him. And she leaves. And Marco uses the fact that Naomi left. He always leaves out his part in things. Yeah, always. Naomi left. She didn't leave because he did something. She left because she didn't love them anymore. And she loved inners, even though that doesn't make sense in the timeline. Um, So she left. She doesn't love you, but I love you and I approve of you. And I so Marco basically like love bombed him. He brainwashed him into, you know, doing whatever Marco wanted. Because he would remind him that your mother didn't love you, but I do. Meanwhile, Naomi never stopped thinking about him. She always loved him. And she tells him this, and it starts to make him doubt the things his father has told him. Yeah. And, you know, we see all these scenes where Naomi will say a fact to Marco, and he will twist it into, like, I'll never get over when he said to her, she said, you won't kill me because, you know, you, you're, like, you'll make a message out of me or whatever, something of that nature. And he said, I won't kill you because I don't want you to leave your son again. First of all, that's not how it works. If you murder Naomi, you took her away. Yeah. Like, he twists literally everything. But he will twist it to be abs- that, yeah. right? And he does. Yeah. When Naomi jumps off the ship, he's like, well, she didn't want to be with you. Yeah, she's like, she wanted to leave you. You know how Um, terrible and traumatic it is that, like, you tell your child that your parent committed suicide because they didn't want to spend another moment with you? Like, that, I would not want to be with that parent, not because I hate them, but because I don't want to traumatize them anymore. Right. So, uh, I understood like, the manipulation and the way that it was written is very scary. If you yeah. know somebody that is very egotistical and um, what's the word? Um, somebody that gaslights. It, Just it's, a manipulator. It's terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, you start to see him kind of be over Marco, the personality. Yeah. By the end of the season, you know, Marco is... is angry that the Rasinante got away and you know he's raging about it and Philip's like what is it and he tells him and he's like well does it mess with your plan no does it but keep us from doing what we're about to do no then what does it matter yeah let's let's focus on the plan and he's like you've grown it's like no he's kind of he's realized how reactionary you are and how personal this has become this is no yeah. longer about the belt this is about Marco and Philip is starting to see that. But for Philip, it's still about the belt. He's kind of starting to see through the shine on his dad, but he's still going to fight for the belt. So he wants him to focus on the mission for the belt. Like stop thinking about Naomi. Stop thinking about the Rasante. Don't stop thinking about Holden. Let's focus on what we're doing. This is the mission. This is what we're here to do. And like, it's because Philip is just, I think so tired 
of like everything being about Marco and what Marco wants because Marco yelled at him for just wanting to be able to do something on his own. You know, Marco made him look like a fool in front of everybody Mm -hmm. for wanting to do something on his own. And that had to have hurt. And so now he's like, if this is how he's going to treat me when I ask, you know, to be given more responsibility, then I will act like he's the one who is not living up to his responsibility. Yeah. And so I'm interested to see where that takes Philip next season. Um, because, you know, he's he's been hurt now so many times. And I wonder when it's when is it going to be enough? When is he going to snap? When is he going to realize Marco is not worth dying for? Will he realize it? It'll be interesting. To or see. will he realize it when it's too late? Yeah. Any other thoughts on Philip or Marco? I I feel bad for Philip. I, I think yeah. that we can be as angry as we want with him, but it needs to be understood where he's also coming from. He can't. He's a child. He is a child. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. look like a child. Maybe it's those belter genes, but he is yeah. a child. Um, and it's very sad how he is being manipulated and we see it because we know what to look for, but he doesn't because his father is everything that he's known. And, and the Mm -hmm. fact that Marco says, well, this earther took your mother away. Like how, how is that supposed to make a child feel? And it just builds that resentment towards like a different race. Yeah. If you're stuck and oppressed in a situation you actually don't know what's happening right like you you get some impression of what's happening but you need to leave the situation for a duration mm-hmm. of time and then come back to it to truly appreciate the fact that um, it is bad as it actually is yeah and that's a struggle that a lot of people actually go through and it's really really makes it really tough to leave yeah yeah um, I forgot my very last thought, and I'll make this very, very quick. I mentioned earlier that Drummer is set up as another foil to Marco. Um, and she is, you know, she's a, a belter leader who initially wants to do what's best for the belt. And then she makes a very personal decision um, that, you know, it leads to what could have been the death of innocence, the Rossi crew, because Naomi is insistent that the Rossi crew is innocent. She gives a nationalistic speech. Uh, to rally the belters to her cause and for a moment it takes Naomi back to a time when she was with someone who was very nationalistic who was willing to kill innocents uh, no matter what the cause Um, and that's when she realized she needed to be with the Rossi crew Uh, again and again she chooses the Rossi crew so that's that but speaking of drummer this is our last character focus let's talk about drummer and the polyam belter fam good for drummer I love her character this season. I mean, props to Kara for showing so much emotion when she's pregnant. <laughs> that <laughs> child's going to be so angry. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. poor baby. Yeah. She's probably eating dill pickle jalapeno ice cream offset. <laughs> True. She's probably having the time of her life. With yeah. crushed Doritos on top. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the crushed Doritos are, are the best. They go on everything, but hey. Um, no, I, I love the fact that she finds a home and Mm -hmm. it's a home that's super accepting and loving and you see them go through 
bad times and you also see them go through good times but at the end of the day they are there together and it sucks that Marco is the the thing that puts a knife in the family (coughs) and wedges um the whole entire relationship that they have and the family is broken by the end of the season um it's it's very tragic drummer has to sacrifice her family for their freedom Mm -hmm. and it's heartbreaking that their family has to break up because of it Yeah. yeah And I understand completely. It's a tragic situation, and there's no clean way to leave this. They're, like they they've given Serge over. They've taken Carl on board. They're divided already, just because of the situation. There's no way. Like if they didn't do the the exchange of personnel, they would have been destroyed right then and there. Mm-hmm. So th- there was no easy way out of this, and. Mm-hmm. Drummer makes some very strong sacrifices and and divides her family, which is very very heartbreaking. Yeah, drummer um, really goes through <clears throat> it this season. Well, like Naomi, she has a very very big struggle. Mm-hmm. Maybe even worse because people are actually dying because of her decisions, mm-hmm. and it, it it divides people. It, it is really tough to watch, and you see Drummer just break down on set. It it, it is rough. Yeah, she so. she goes from loss to loss. Yeah, you know she she has her family. She's at least comfortable with where she's at um, <clears throat> when we first see her. Um, but then you know they they realize she realizes that Ashford has been killed, uh, and he's been killed by Marco, who has some sort of a plan. But she's like, you know what? This isn't my fight. I don't fight for the belt anymore. I fight for my family, and she gives it away. And then of course. Fred ends up being killed. And, you know, Fred was her mentor before. um, Ashford. Ashford, yeah. And Ty and Daniel kind of said, for anyone who's read Butcher of Anderson Station, there's a belter woman who has a gun to Fred's head the entire time. And um, they've imagined that Drummer is this woman if she went with Fred instead of going back with uh, Dawes. And so that's what she did. She was so swayed by his beliefs that she followed him, even if he was an earther, because he genuinely cared about the belt and he wanted to make amends for what he did. And now he's gone. Um, And he's also been killed by Marco. And she has to swallow her pride and work with Marco to keep her family safe um, because he will destroy them one way or another. Um, and so they do that. And then of course they think Naomi's, she thinks Naomi's dead and it just devastates her. Hello. Really? She really? You don't you. say. Go. Go see what it is. Yeah. Put, go ahead. Go see what it is. Go. go. That's going to stay in. Um, no, so. I don't, I don't want to go anywhere, Papa. <laughs> so, you know, the hits just keep coming for her. And, you know, she keeps fighting and and going because she needs to fight for her family. Then, of course, she finds out Naomi isn't dead and um, she wants to help her. And the way to help her is also a way to free herself. And so she helps Holden in the end, even though it breaks apart her family, gets Serge killed um, because, you know, they couldn't keep 
Either way, they were dying under someone's boot. Yeah. And she didn't want it to be Marco's, you know? And it's funny because she's always had kind of a mini rivalry with Holden. Here she is, like, saving his life for Naomi so that they can save Naomi. Um, Because initially she didn't want to kill Holden slash the Rossi because he was the family of the woman, you know, she, she once loved. And now it's, if she saves him, she saves Naomi. And so it's kind of like a, like a both kind of situation. She frees herself. She still does right by Naomi because she tried to kill them once and it broke her and Naomi's friendship into pieces. Um, and so obviously she's not going to do that again. And she saves him. And then in saving him, she, has a chance to save Naomi. So she does all of this and it ends up tearing her family apart. And it's so heartbreaking mm -hmm. to watch and to hear Oksana tell her they have nothing to stay together for anymore. Oof. Oof. And I just hope, I really hope that drummer finds some semblance of, of happiness next season, because it just feels like the hits. I mean, the hits keep coming for everybody, but for Drummer, it seems like she rarely gets a chance to actually, like, enjoy some sort of, like, thing before it's, like, ripped from her in one way or another. And, you know, she finally has this thing that makes her completely happy and her choice destroys it. And it's just really devastating. I, I think that she needs closure more than anything. Like, she has lost so much, like you said, and it's blow after blow. And when she has that whole entire blowout with um, Oksana, where she says, mm -hmm. like, how much more crap do I have to take before you take me seriously? Um, it, it's a beautiful moment because it's true. Like, we see how much she's suffering. We see how much she has to endure. Marco has killed Naomi. Mm -hmm. Marco wants to kill the Rossi and all Naomi sorry all drummer can do is just sit and watch and bend over to everybody else's wishes for her and and that's one of the reasons why I just I didn't like Oksana because she did not realize how much drummer was <clears throat> giving up to make everybody else happy mm -hmm. she always put everybody else before her and it sucked that's the other thing, too. Drummer was one of the first people to see through the Rocinante thing. When, you know, she asked, why are we going after the Rocinante? And yeah. she's told, well, it's a symbol of compromise. It's a symbol of, like, you know, the everything that the, the Earth has done to us because it's a ship full of inners and, like, a belter, so it's seen as a ship of unity. Like, And she's like, Marco's not that stupid, is he? There's no way. There's no way. Like, she starts to become incredibly suspicious of what Marco's intentions are the moment that the Rocinante is brought up. Because that's when she starts to realize this is personal. Yep. And she's like, there's no way. Like, for all of his bloviating about the belt, the belt, the belt, clearly he has some personal vendettas here, too. Mm -hmm. And if he's going after the Rocinante, this is personal. Because that's Naomi's family. So... You know, Drummer is very smart and she knows there's something going on with Marco. And she's realizing Marco is not the leader the belt thinks he is in that moment. So, you know, 
I, I really love that scene where she's like, he's not that stupid, is he? Mm. Like, it's, you know, it's really great to see that moment of clarity for her. Yeah. All right, we're coming down to the wire of talking about season five. Anything else on drummer before we move on? No. Nope, just love her to death. But I do to want to mention something. Yes, And I'm just going to pull it Andrea. up because I wrote it down and I don't want to miss anything from it. I told you to speak your truth in the notes. Talk about anything I you know. want. I know, but I'm also doing like representing patterns in math right now. Um, okay, so... um. Going back to Vassarelli, because I think that this this brings back the Earth, the, the, the Earthers, Martians, and Belters. Um, I want to bring up the joke that is said oh, yes. to Vassarelli. Uh, the uh, Belter and Earther and Martian walk into a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, the Belter orders the finest Martian whiskey from the bartender, and the Martian orders Earther tequila. Both give the same explanation for their choices. Drinking like my enemy helps me think like my enemy. Before the um, Admiral who's saying the joke gets into the punchline, he's interrupted. But then um, we go back into what the joke means. Um, And um, he finishes with the punchline. That's uh, the Earther says, give me a shot of the finest belter liquor. You have the best the belt has to offer. The bartender says, because it helps you think like an enemy. And the earther says, no, because I'm trying to drink less. The best the belter has to offer is terrible. And mm-hmm. at that moment, neither of, of Osarella or the Admiral really laugh at it. Um, and in those seconds, the Admiral's like flippin' twinkle melts. And he says like, oh, well, it used to be funnier. Um, mm. And I think that it's it's a very important moment because like we we often hear like uh, like in comedy shows like those racial like jokes and stuff like that the jokes at the expense of another race and and they're starting to realize how much those things hurt and mm-hmm. how how detrimental it is to somebody's mentality. Uh, or perception of somebody to make these jokes. And I, I found it really, really, it, it was a little bit funny, but I also understand their reaction to the joke after everything that they've been through with Earth, mm-hmm. with the Martians, with the Belters. Yeah. That's my Very talk. nice. Good, good. Uh, thank you for bringing up the joke. I almost forgot about that. So let's uh, talk very, very quickly about... Um, I, just because I wanted to mention it, we don't need to go too deep into it, but earlier I said that this season felt very lived in, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a huge shout-out to like the visual effects and the practical sets and everything. Obviously, they're the reason we had a season that felt so lived in, from Palace Station and the bar on Palace Station to Tycho and the hotel rooms and like the, the cool new docking setup and also finally seeing inside the the middle of Tycho um, from like all the different types of ships that we see. And it's just, oh, it was so cool. It was just really cool. And I think it really hit me during the Chetsamoka scenes with Naomi, seeing these fully realized sets and, you know, seeing how far they go. It was just awesome. 
The yeah. sets and the effects were, were absolutely spot on this season. They did yeah. a fantastic job. In most of the scenes, especially with the Free Navy, on the background you can see on all the little yeah. different computer screens, there are little nods to all these different little things that are happening everywhere. Yeah. And you, you don't even know that, like, oh, they're looking at the Rosinante in, in this yeah. one screen, but you have to, like, pause it and look and go, yeah, that's it, that's that's awesome, and like the one scene where the the missile goes flying, I didn't catch it, but you caught it when yeah. uh, the Rosinante went head to head with him, and it had the yeah. proto molecule on it, and it went to the Free Navy. Like the scenes were there, you just had to catch them. Yeah, they were phenomenal, so well done. The space battles this season were, yes, <laughs> so good. Andrew, anything to say about the visual effects of the sets? Um, it's, this is one of the seasons where I had to, like, probably slow motion a lot of the fighting <laughs> scenes, because I just wanted to know exactly who was being shot, like, what exactly yeah. was happening. There was a lot of things that you could miss if you just looked away for one second. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, I think that they did a lot of gorgeous things with the visual effects, and, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we go into our rapid fire round, last thing, because I always have to include this for Fred. Um, and I'll go first so Fred doesn't feel pressured to to come up with anything immediately. But criticisms of this season, because obviously nothing's ever perfect. Um, I've said a few times that if this season were just <clears throat> literally just had one or two more episodes, a lot of the timing, spacing, emotional beats would have had more time to breathe. Um, specifically, like I was talking earlier about Holden, right? It probably would have been clearer to people that he was having a hard time with other people on the ship if we actually got a second to just really see that and let it let that moment breathe. Same with Drummer having like hit after hit after hit. Mm-hmm. She didn't really get to linger on Fred's death, which was a little disappointing. Like she really didn't linger on it at all. And I feel like that's another issue where, like, maybe if she had gotten a few more minutes, it would have felt like it had a little more room to breathe. Um, Like, there's just a lot. I'm trying to think of more stuff that probably would have felt a little more natural if it had more time. But even just one more episode, I feel like might have helped just a tiny bit or like. The fact that Naomi's episodes, there were, I mean, a lot of these people were complaining in bad faith, but that Naomi was getting too much time and attention on like the Chetsamoka. Like if we had had maybe like a whole episode devoted to her and then had some sort of mystery, I don't know, something like that. There were some weird pacing issues, not enough to really ruin the whole season for me. But I do feel like a lot of the emotional beats, if they had had a little more time to breathe, not like Naomi's stuff, I think, was all had the perfect amount of time. But I feel like other characters lost out because there was a lot of focus on a lot of things. And I feel like some of those very big emotional beats, if they had a little bit longer to breathe, might have had the help of just even one more episode. But that's that's just me. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. One of my biggest criticisms over this particular season was the Alex storyline, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. So that that's a big one. I, I wish we could explore that a bit more, but it's it's done. 
And I, I completely agree with you. I, I think maybe not more episodes was the answer, but I think maybe more minutes per episode would have been a big yeah, help. Yeah, that could have worked. So too, if yeah. we did 90 minute episodes, especially on these really big action packed ones, they could have been yeah. a bit longer to, to explore some of the, that story a bit more. <clears throat> um, and, and keep the ones that were required to be shorter, shorter, whichever, but. Some of the other criticisms, let's see. Uh, I think those are my two biggest ones, to be honest. Yeah, I don't I didn't have like a ton. I, I know that another one was kind of like wanting to see a little more of like <clears throat> Clarissa and Amos's journey to Baltimore. Like it just, you know, it, it kind of jumped and jumped and jumped and then they were in Baltimore. And so I so know a lot of people would have like sort of them just riding a bike. And not a whole episode. No, no, no. I think you're putting words in my mouth here. I just think another couple of scenes <laughs> where they weren't just scene by a building. No, like <laughs> no. I don't mean to. Totally. But like the fact that there was one scene where they had a conversation during the journey. I feel right. like if we had had a little more conversation or seen a little bit, and I know that uh, Ty has said that he doesn't like apocalypse porn and i support that 100 percent. but it just felt like a lot like i didn't feel necessarily the gravity because it was just like all these empty scapes of them traveling and then one scene where they talk about the devastation at one location like it was just just it felt like a little bit of a disconnect not enough again like it's not i don't think we needed a whole episode of them but just maybe even one one or two more scenes just like to kind of make it seem like it was an actual journey and not just like a hop, skip, and a bump down the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, right. I'm with you. And yeah. that, that actually reminds me of another criticism that I had, and that was Clarissa's ability. Oh, okay. And the I, way fa- that I they feel like it. I saw that coming a little bit. No, I, we appreciate what her ability does give us her yeah. super speed and super strength, but it it didn't come across as well as maybe as they intended in yeah. in the in the show. Yeah. Nah, yeah, that first yeah. scene. Yeah. I felt better the second time around the mystery behind it. Like what did she do while they were gone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, Andrea, a- Andrea do you have My anything criticisms other than a puppy? Um I think that some of the writing was not consistent with the characters. Um, and we've touched upon it a little bit. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't, I, I think that one of my, the biggest disappointments was Bobby taking a backseat, quite figuratively mm. and literally. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No. All right. This is what we on the, the Enter the Dojo like to call the lightning round. Now... I put top three to fives because I initially had top five and I was like, that's too many. So just I'm going to ask you your top characters, your top scenes, your top episodes. And then if you have any other like this was a really cool thing, you can just throw it in. Um, I ran out of ideas. So first of all, let's talk about your your top three characters of the season. Who's going? Okay, I'll do it really fast without thinking. Um, Naomi, uh, drummer and Amos. And Marco. Okay. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Fred? Don't think. <laughs> I want to say Amos. <laughs> okay. But it's not. 
So it's a twist again, Wes. Don't listen to this. I, I I love the character to death, and he did a fantastic job. But if I have to do top three, mm-hmm. then I'm going to say Naomi. She absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Marco. Man, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And I want to say drummer. I mm-hmm. she just did such a phenomenal job. I, I I can't not give her a vote. I think I'm going to do the same. I think I'm going to say Naomi, drummer, and Marco. Um, I would have said Amos, but, like, I don't know. A lot of the stuff kind of was awesome in book and fell flat in show. Not necessarily fell flat, but, like, I wasn't, like, you know, as much as I was for drummer or Naomi or, like, wanting to Marco. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Punch him in his small. Oh, I thought face. you you were meaning to to no, no punch him. Do the hokey pokey with him. I no, like, I oh. wanted to punch him. I mean, Keon Alexander is a beautiful man, but Marco, <laughs> punch him. Punchable. Punch him. All right, let's talk about our top uh, three to five scenes. What were your favorite scenes? Without so, thinking about it. First scene that comes to mind is the Amos yep. shower scene. Of course. <laughs> I was like, was he naked? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the strip down scene, but continue. Maybe it's on the list. <laughs> no, it's not on the list. Um, space battles. Uh, space yeah. battles. I, yep. I can't not say that one. Yep. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I know, I know. Damn. Third scene. Okay. Oh, oh. Puppy's choking. <laughs> Every single time we talk about Marco. Third scene is Naomi's sacrifice to jump out and then mm-hmm. her redemption. Well, I shouldn't say redemption, but her rescue mm-hmm. from Bobby. Yeah. My favorite scene. Okay. The drummer breaking down and telling Oksana how much crap she has to endure in order for them to take her seriously. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, one that gave me goosebumps is when we see what the message that Naomi was relaying actually says. I think that's so beautiful and just makes you like jump uh, and hurrah. Um, the other one that I liked, um, I'm trying to like relive the whole entire season. Yeah. The ending, Amos. Holden and Clarissa, I thought like that that was just one of my favorite scenes because mm-hmm. it's the crew all back together. Yeah, and I know that one of Shannon's favorite moments is going to be when the robot bonks Steven in the face. Yes! <laughs> yes! So I will I will do an honorary mention on that one because <laughs> you know I know you so well. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Where to begin? And that's the thing, too. Holden is in very few of my favorite scenes, but they're all, like, really good ones. Uh, I think my favorite scene is I love that opening scene with Naomi and Basia. And not Basia. Um, What's her name? Sakai. Sakai, yeah. Kind of backwards. Sakai. So Naomi and Sakai. I love Naomi adapting the message. I love the uh, battle with the Rasinante and the three or the five belter ships. Mm-hmm. I love, um, hold on. I had the list. I was trying to keep it in my head and then they all kind of slipped out. Um, Naomi's <laughs> rescue scene. Mm-hmm. 
the message scene with yeah. Naomi and Holden. Oh, was really that would make me cry. I don't it like remembering that. The party scene, just because that seems like that scene does not exist, but it does. And every time we cut back to it, I'm like, look at everyone being cute. Um, and then uh, holding a boot by a robot. Yes. And uh, the water scene with um, the uh, crew of the... Like, drummer's crew, mm-hmm. when they're drinking the water. I really love those scenes. Um, and I think the last scene is really... Oh, the last scene! Oh, God! How do we forget the last scene? The last yes. scene! Space That's battle. It. It. No, it's not the space no, battle. No, not the space battle. The, um... Barkeith being eaten by the ring. Yeah. Oh, and and us seeing what is to come. The after credits. Yes, too, what guess. is yeah. to come. We didn't really talk about that, but we can talk about that next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the last thing I have for the rapid fire, what are your favorite episodes from this season? Oh, God. Um, I know it's tough, huh? Just one through ten. <laughs> I choice, can't. Choice, I can't. That's, oh, geez. Don't make me. I'm not if I it. had to choose, I would say Gogamella. Episode four. Um, episode eight, Hard Vacuum. Mm-hmm. Episode 10, Nemesis Games. I like Nemesis Game. I will agree with that one. <clears throat> I think that they do a phenomenal job just to round up the whole entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I would not watch it again because of how painful it is, is Naomi's like a relay of the message and her mm-hmm. suffering and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, if I had to pick a favorite episode, I would say episodes, um, seasons one through five. Okay. All right. Which one? Uh, I'll remember. I'll remember that when, like, we round up in season six and we talk about our favorite episodes of all time and you one through six. (laughs) All of them. All of them. Andrea, do you have any favorites at all? Any favorite episodes? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I already said. She oh. said. Yeah. I thought she was just saying it was hard to watch Naomi. And I was like, true. No, that was one of my favorites, yeah. even though it's hard to okay. watch. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before I uh, talk about what we're doing in our next episode, before we close this out, um, is there anything you guys would like to say about season five? Anything we might have forgotten? Anything you, you just want to talk about? Tell your truth. Speak your truth. Anything? Shout out no to pressure. Willix that went into the to the airlock because of cookies. <laughs> oh my god! Poor man died too soon. <laughs> he was told there would be cookies. Yeah. No, there, there's so many more scenes. There's so many more actors and actresses that we we could have uh, spent some time on. But mm-hmm. so shout out to everyone else that we didn't have a chance to mention. Um, yeah. For example, Serge or Corral or mm-hmm. all these other people that made an impact on the season. Mm-hmm. It was just a very, very well done season Tiny. five overall. Tiny. <laughs> Tiny. Eric. Yeah. yeah. Eric MVP. Timmy. Timmy. Well, we did talk about Timmy. So. Tiny Tim. No, we talked about Amos. <laughs> They're two different people? Oh my gosh, yes. I did not know. <laughs> Timmy killed Amos. Somebody's oh going to really rage after they hear this episode. What? You didn't know? 
<laughs> Anything, Andrea? Anything you have Why do you call him Timmy? Why does he call you Peaches? Oh my god. <laughs> I love this season. I, I think that it was exhilarating. I thought like every single episode had high stakes. Um, and I'm so excited to see what they're going to do next next season. If I had to say anything about season five, it'd be well worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Well worth the wait. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here we go, guys. Um, we, we've kind of talked about how we have a plan uh, for one more season five episode. And I kind of want to describe what that's going to be uh, for you guys. So the way we've conceptualized it is kind of like a listener episode. Uh, basically, I'm going to put out a call in the next few days after this episode comes out um, asking for like either, you know, question submissions via email or Twitter. Like, you know, if you have a question for us about the show, if you have a question of our thoughts on something that maybe you thought we didn't talk about or you wanted to hear us elaborate on more. Um, if you have lingering thoughts on season five, if there's something you're particularly excited about in season six, we're going to ask you to tell us anything from that list anything you want and then we're going to talk about it um we'll talk about the show we'll talk about ourselves we'll talk about the expanse we'll talk about whatever um whatever you guys ask us to talk about or whatever you want to hear more about that's kind of what we're going to try and do within reason um because we wanted to put together an episode that kind of put the listeners at the forefront um because you guys have been so great in supporting us especially with our season five episodes and we really wanted to kind of come up with a way to have like the ultimate like interactive experience as far as we can. We've had some ideas of how we want to do it. We haven't figured it out yet, but this is the basic concept. So keep an eye out for those tweets, shoot us an email, uh, think about what you would like to hear us talk about. Think about if there's anything you want to hear more about or more from, and we'll do our best to kind of cover that in our next episode. Uh, I'm really excited about doing this. Pumped. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Thank you all for uh, sitting here for as long as you did. Um, if they can sit through the Snyder Cut, they can sit through this episode. This is shorter than the Snyder Cut. So, yes. See? Exactly. No reason You're right. not to. You're right. I almost am considering cutting this in half, but we'll see. Oh, that would um, be fun. I don't know if I'm as ambitious as Zack Snyder, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, Keep an eye out for those tweets. We can't wait to do this. Um, thank you so much for listening through our season five content and for sitting with us for the last couple hours. All right. So if you like this episode, if you have things to say about what we liked, what we didn't like about our analysis or something that we actually never said, um, you can find us online and let us know. Um, by emailing us at typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the typebeam. Um, you can find me on Twitter at catsbears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me almost anywhere at shankbeezy. And Red. You can find me on Twitter at freddywonkenobi. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And you can also find our show in a lot of other amazing shows at randomchatter.com. Uh, we don't just talk about the Expanse. There is also things about Star Wars, um, Cobra Kai, uh, superheroes, Marvel, DC, and more. Why don't you give us a hand 
and help us spread the word. Uh, some of the ways... No, no clapping, Fred. They'll hear oh. you. Um, <laughs> some of the ways to get our show kind of noticed is, uh, one, uh, leaving reviews or ratings. It kind of gives people an idea of what, you know, our listeners think our show is like. So if you could drop a rating or a review on your podcast platform of choice, that would go a huge way to helping the show. Another way is to share us on social media. We're always tweeting things. We're retweeting. We're tweeting about the show. We're tweeting new episodes. We're tweeting questions. If you could just, you know, share those things, retweet them, engage with them, that'll also help kind of get us a little more noticed by the Expanse community at large. Um, there's also word of mouth. You can tell your friends about us. Tell your parents about us. I always talk about telling your mom about us. I don't think your mom cares about us. But hey, you know, you could tell anyone about us. If they like the Expanse, if they like podcasts, maybe we're the show for them. Just, you know maybe give them a nudge and a wink over to our show so that we can, you know, get more listeners and thus get more feedback and thus get better as a show, even though I think we're doing phenomenal. If you really like what we do on the show and you want to engage with us and you want to chat with us and you want to get our opinions and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, head on over to randomchatter.com discord, uh, where that'll take you to our discord server. And there's a show channel there. You can have a conversation with us and we can, hear everything that you have to say and it'd be a lot of fun if you want to be a, a member of the discord or sorry if you want to be a member of the random chatter community head on over to randomchatter.com patreon and what that'll do is that'll open up the entire discord server and there's a lot more than just the free channels there's a lot of other extra bonus content in there and it's fantastic if Patreon and Discord isn't your thing and you want to support us, head on over to randomchatter.com slash store. That'll redirect you to our Public store, and there's lots of great merchandise you can pick up. Uh, the music that you hear in this episode is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller, and as silly as this sentence sounds, all trademarks are owned by the respective owners. Thank you, and good night. You did it. Oh my god. Holy moly. <laughs>